This is a podcast from Rover. Rightio, welcome back. Here's a good story for you. Canterbury Woodchip's been uh, operating for about six years, based in South Canterbury. Arundel, I think it's how you say it. It all started with uh, producing woodchip from Port Blakely Forest in South Canterbury. And in recent times, the business has expanded to chipping wilding pines, which seems like a pretty worthwhile endeavour. To tell us a bit more about it, we're joined uh, by the owner, uh, Brad Coleman. G'day, Brad. How's things? Very well, thanks, mate. And yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, sounds interesting. What type of products do you produce and how are they used? Um, so, look, we've got three main um, products, and that's our, uh, our bedding for livestock, um, landscaping products, and uh, biomass fuel for um, boilers and energy. Yeah, that's a big one. As I'm reading a lot about that at the moment. That seems to be a burgeoning sort of an industry. What made you go? Oh, yep, that could be a that could be a goer. Um, well, actually, long story. Um, I think back in like 2014 or 13, um, Timaru District Council built this new pool called Sea Bay, and uh, a couple of guys from the council rocked out here and. Uh, Said we've got this, uh, we've got this pool we've built, and uh, we're going to heat it with wood chips, and we better find some to heat it with. So <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's how it all kicked off. Right, and you're like, oh yeah, we can probably help you out there. Yeah, give it a go. Um, and then yeah, look, followed on by that very closely behind um, was uh, Canterbury District Health Board, um, Hillmorton Hospital, come online. Um, we're lucky to be awarded that, and then there's been another two further boilers at Burwood Hospital and we've just finished commissioning and getting Christchurch Hospital up and running so there's another two boilers there so Canterbury District Health Board's got five um, five boilers in total that we service today. Oh nice, good stuff. Um, so when we look at say something like Slash, right, Slash Recovery, um, I would suspect from what you're telling me that's a uh, pretty profitable sort of an enterprise? Uh, look, recovering Slash isn't actually that efficient because you know look you're dealing with a lot of the uh, you know a, a lot of messy type fibre that doesn't actually yield a lot so mm. I guess we're picking the eyes out of the slash with the with the bin wood um, because um, we've got to be real we, we have to be really careful um, when we start uh, processing low, low grade materials um, that our productivity doesn't go out the back door right yeah, that makes sense. Um, so then, is is the business model that you've got? I mean, could I don't know? Could that play a part solving the uh, the forestry slash problems? Because it is a heck of a problem at the moment for a lot of parts of the country, isn't it? Oh, look, definitely. Well, look, um, the, the 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 larger piece sizes um, that are easily recoverable. Um, we yeah, we've got that like like what's been happening in the Geraldine. Well, Matty Forest with Port Blakely, that's that's um, that's yeah. I've set up a, a first class model there, and uh, you know it's, it's working really really well, and it accommodates um, everybody's situation from the the like the logging crew, um, some value add for the forest owner, and also um, not um, kind of disrupting our productivity too much with um, you know just just doing a job for the sake of doing a job. Yes, totally. Um, Binwood that you mentioned just before—that's uh, what's that in the forestry industry? Is uh, what, what, what does that mean exactly? That that comes from likes of all your uh, you know your broken ends from um, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm no expert forester, but um, that, you know it comes from your broken ends from your trees snapping from snow and wind, right? Um, your your, um, spe- your specification and your logs that can't meet any other grade, and um, you know just 
from cutting your logs to length. Yeah, you know, um, obviously get some offcuts there that that meet meet our specification, which is sort of um, six six to eight hundred long um, upwards and sort of five hundred round in diameter, which uh, yeah, once again keeps that productivity up at Erin. Yeah, do you have new projects on the go with that with that with that st- the, the binwood as you call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we've uh, we've got one underway in Nelson, ready for a new customer for later in the year, and um, we've got look the the challenge with this tendering process is is, is when, when we enter, um, you know, we're under some pretty tight confidentiality clauses. So look, mm. there is um, there is certainly a handful of very very large customers in the Canterbury region um, on the table today. Do you export anything? Any products? Uh, look, we we, ha- we have exported. Um, bedding for the uh, the live heifer shipments um, or the live animal shipments in the past, but mm. uh, yeah, obviously the handbrake come on that in March, so that's uh, no longer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's that's taken away now, isn't it? Yeah, um, I don't know if there's uh, much hope for for uh, that in the future or not. But um, is there money in this? Do you reckon for landowners who want to um, remove wildings? At, at, at this stage, no. But at, as as the energy demand for renewable fuels um, gains traction and kind of starts aligning itself with uh, perhaps some electricity prices or something like that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, look, the, 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 in the near future, um, there could be an opportunity. This wilding thing, I did a story on this, I don't know, a month or two ago uh, with the wilding pines. It's uh, an interesting one because there was, uh, you know, people were getting on top of it with money uh, from central government, etc. That dried up and now it's like, oh, geez, we have to kind of stop this, which is uh, which is interesting. Yeah, look, it's a, uh, you know, you just, you, you look through the Mackenzie country, um, for me, when you drive through there and, uh, yeah, they just it, it just seems to get greener. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. But you've obviously, um, you know, this is you, your business has, as I said at the top, has expanded, uh, you know, to chipping wildings now as well. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's um, it's just such a soul destroying task. You know, you put a um, you put a, a machine operator there to you know fell between you know thirteen to thirteen hundred to maybe two and a half thousand stems per hectare. Mm. I mean, and, and it's just the, the amount of concentration and intensity in the day to get the job done in a reasonable amount of time, uh, yeah, very next level job. I can imagine, yeah, totally. How big is the chipper we're talking about here? How many people do you need an operation? Uh, so look, the, the chipper's only a single man operation, um, remote control, so yeah. he, can, uh, he can move it backwards and forwards and change the direction of the spout similar to solid harvester um, from from loading it. Uh, he loads it with a 20-ton excavator, and uh, yeah, he, he can he can manage all the controls um, from the cab of the digger while, while he's loading it. Um, yeah, I think I might have seen a video of that online, actually, uh, Brad. Um, uh, I don't know if it was yours or someone else's, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, the, the remote control aspect of it as well, which is pretty pretty good tech, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, look, when we're uh, when we're processing the likes of the wilding pines, um, and, and we're kind of doing a chip into the cutover model, machines on tracks, so you know you can uh, drive it up and down the windrows, um, ready to load it, and go around the big rocks and any obstacles and that sort of thing. So yeah, um, pretty pretty versatile type machine.
Very good. Um, right, well, it sounds like you're on top of things there and you've got a heck of a lot going on. So um, where do you see the future of this, Brad, uh, particularly when it comes to, I guess, boiler fuel and things like that? I mean, obviously you're doing pretty well in that regard at the moment. Um, I guess it's uh, an industry that's on the uh, on the move, so to speak. Look, it's on the move, but uh, as we see with everything else, there's always uh, there always seems to be another technology uh, ready to take uh, the current technology's place. So, look, uh, I don't know. The, the te- next ten years is going to be a, a a pretty challenging time to stay in front of the race. There's no hiding that. Yeah, good stuff. Well, listen, appreciate you coming on and having a chat with us, Brad Coleman, Canterbury Woodchip. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Thanks very much. So some pretty big news regarding Three Waters. Apparently the government's rebranding its Three Waters policy as part of what uh, the Prime Minister Chris Hipkins says is a package of imminent changes to the controversial policy. So in future, the policies formerly known as Three Waters will be referred to as water infrastructure. And he says it's about water infrastructure and the underinvestments that needs to be fixed to bring drinking, waste and stormwater systems up to standards. So the meaning of the term Three Waters had become, he said, uh, somewhat confused Fused. Well, he's not wrong there, I'm sure many of you will agree. Um, also, I can tell you that wool carpet maker Bremworth has moved some of its production overseas as it repairs its flood-damaged Napier factory. Chief Executive Greg Smith says Cyclone Gabriel has exposed the risk of producing much of its yarn and all of its dyed fibre from a single factory. More on that uh, with Hamish Mackay and Rebecca Greaves on Rural Exchange coming up for you on the weekend. That is our show for today. Always great to have your company. Take care. We'll catch you back tomorrow.